How faithful is the Father. Um, if you remember, a few weeks ago we studied Galatians. Talked about how God set us free from the law. Now that we don't have to live under the law anymore. And in Galatians 5 and 6, he declares... that he has set us free and that he wants us to walk in freedom, to stay in freedom. And in Galatians 5 and 6, he tells us that it's by walking, being led by, being intimate with, and knowing the Holy Spirit that we will maintain our freedom. He said, Those who are led by the Spirit are not under the law. He says those who are led by the Spirit will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he says that's where the victory is realized in our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And then we begin looking at some verses about how the Holy Spirit facilitates that freedom in us. And we learn that Jesus said when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to come as a comforter. He's going to come to bring comfort, to come along beside you in what you go through. And in experiencing and living in intimacy with the Holy Spirit and allowing him to give us comfort, we're free from having or trying to seek comfort in a bunch of things that promise comfort, but in the end result in bondage. We all get in these uncomfortable situations. We all live with this discomfort in our circumstances. And when the Holy Spirit is our comforter, we don't go outside looking for comfort. We don't look for external things to give us comfort because we know how to experience the comforter inside of us. And that encourages our freedom to not be back into bondage. We also learned that the Holy Spirit was a teacher, that he's come to teach us, not just to give us information, but to turn the lights on in our heart that we can see the glory of God that's in Jesus. And as we learn to rely on the Holy Spirit as our teacher and not our brain, not our own mind, we discover the reality of who he is. And we don't feel like we have to go back to the rules to find out what to do. We don't have to go back to the law to find out what we're supposed to do when we couldn't do it in the first place. And what he does is he teaches us and instructs us. I want to cover another one today. This is in John chapter 15, if you want to turn there with me. John chapter 15, verse 6. This is still Jesus. He says, when the helper, and that word is also comforter, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, 
he will testify about me. And you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. What I want us to see is where he says, when this comforter comes from the Father, the Spirit of truth, he will testify of me. Now you think, why does the Holy Spirit need to come and testify of Jesus? We have the Bible. Well, my question is, how's that working for you? How's it working to just read the Bible with your mind? How does that work in producing godliness? How does it work in producing humility? It doesn't work very well. Typically, it works in either condemnation or self-righteousness. But he said one of the responsibilities of the Holy Spirit when he comes, and bear in mind, don't try not to look at this as, as the Holy Spirit just coming in, in generalizations, okay? He comes, when he comes, he comes here. So all of these things that he expresses, he expresses them here. He expresses the comforter here. He expresses the teacher here. And he testifies to Jesus here. Okay? Now, I got to be honest with you. I've read this a whole bunch and because uh, John is one of my favorite books. And I read that and I just kind of, yeah, okay. But this time it, I just had to stop there. And, and the Lord just began to quicken some things to me, and that's kind of what I want to share with you this morning. He will testify when the Holy Spirit comes, when he comes to live inside of me, he's going to testify to me to who Jesus is, what Jesus has accomplished. The word testify means to bear witness to what one has witnessed. Okay? Okay? When, a, when you come as a witness in a courtroom, you come to testify. Well, what are you there to testify about? You are there to bring a witness of something that you witnessed. They don't know, want, want to know what they heard you say, what you heard said. They don't know what some. They don't want to know what somebody told you was said. All of that is hearsay, and none of that is admissible. What they want to know is what did you witness firsthand? We want you to come and testify to what you witnessed to firsthand. So when the Holy Spirit comes, he comes to bear witness to what he witnessed firsthand. He comes and he bears witness to who Jesus is and to what he did while on the earth. The Holy Spirit comes to me to bear witness to what Jesus did 2,000 years ago while he was on the earth, and he should know because he was there. Okay? The Holy Spirit that lives in me was there witnessing and participating in everything that Jesus did. He not only witnessed it, he not only just stood back as an observer, but he participated in everything concerning Jesus, to who he is and what he did. Let's look at a couple of things. Luke chapter 1, verse 35. 
He was there at his birth. Now, I got to tell you something. This has just exploded in me this week. This particular thing right here. It, this happens from time to time, and, 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 and Jonah can always tell when it happens because I get this thousand-yard stare, and I, I'm just trying to – it's just almost overwhelming, okay? Because in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the, an, the, the, answered, the angel had come to Mary, and he said, you're going to conceive and bear a child, and she says – How's this going to happen? I'm a virgin, basically. And this is what the angel says. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The one that lives in me is the same one that conceived Jesus in the birth of Mary, in with Mary. Think about that. He is ancient. It wasn't just something he'd heard about. He was there participating in the birth of Jesus in this maid, Mary. He witnessed that. He saw that. He participated in that. Look what else happens. Not only did he participate in his birth, but I think this is awesome. He defined Jesus' identity. Well, think about this. Angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child, shall be called the Son of God. Want to know who he's going to be? He is going to be the Son of God. Listen, it would have been very easy for Jesus to embrace the world's identity of who he was. They did later on. Isn't this the illegitimate son of Mary and Joseph? Isn't this the one who, you know, they were got pregnant out of wedlock? And isn't this the one that was born in a barn? How easy it would have been for him to embrace that as his identity of who he was, of what he was here for. But instead, the Holy Spirit established his identity from the very beginning by saying to him, this is who you are. You are the son of God. Well, how easy it is for us to fall into that trap. How easy it is for us to fall into the trap of, I am who I am because my mama said I am. I am who I am because my daddy said I am. I am who I am because some coach said I am. I am who I am because some teacher said I am. I am who I am because my peers say I am. And we're always less than who God says I am. And the Holy Spirit came and he 
established his identity and says, you want to know about this one and you, you, you have no reason to experience shame. You have no reason to experience condemnation because this is the Holy Spirit doing his thing and this in you is the Son of God. Wow, that's awesome. Then he got old enough to minister. And in Luke chapter 4, Verse 18, we find that the Holy Spirit was there witnessing, watching, and participating in the ministry of Jesus. He said in verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. It is the Holy Spirit that is the reason and the force and the drive behind what Jesus is doing. Listen, Jesus did not do anything as God. He did it as a man submitted to God. He said, Hebrews puts it, uh, Philippians puts it this way. He set aside his godly privileges and rights in order to become a man. Now, the paradox is we set aside our human privileges and rights in order to become godly. That's good. How am I going to become godly? By not being humanly. Ain't help with being human, but humanly. He did what he did because the Holy Spirit was there working through him, leading him, guiding him. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. Boy, what a contrast. Anytime we're in the wilderness, we think we've left God to get there. I don't know what, I'm out here in the middle of nowhere. I don't know what's going on. There's nothing out here happening. There's nothing out here taking place. Surely I must have just walked off from God. Here he says it was the Holy Spirit that led him in the wilderness. He led him to be tempted by the devil. That's a whole nother discussion for another time. He was led around by the Spirit in the wilderness. And in verse 14, which I forgot to give to Karis, Karis types this up for me, and sometimes she gets it at like 6 o'clock this morning, and then it changed about 9 o'clock, and then I realized I forgot, and I said, yeah, I'm not even going to bother with it. So anyway, verse 14 also says, and Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. Here was the Spirit there. And now, 2,000 years later, here is the Spirit here, coming to bear witness to what he did. All right? Now, look in... Uh, Acts 10, 38. 
He says, you know of Jesus, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. God was with him. Is God with you? Yeah. Same Holy Spirit, same God. He was there at his birth. He participated in his birth. He was there in his ministry. He anointed him and empowered him and led him in everything that he did. And then his resurrection. Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. How? Through the spirit who dwells in you. The same spirit that brought Jesus back from the grave now lives in me. And because he lives in me, he can give life to my body just like he gave life to Jesus' body. Here's this body in the grave. There is no life in it. Here's this body in a tomb. There is no life in it until the Holy Spirit shows up and fills it with life and brings it back. That Holy Spirit lives in me. He can give my mortal body life to live like he did him. Everything Jesus did, he did as a man submitted to the Holy Spirit. Laid aside his godly principles and rights. The same spirit that was there witnessing and participating in that lives in us. And he has come to testify firsthand, come to bear witness firsthand that Jesus, who Jesus was, and all he has accomplished. And for us, it starts with our salvation. It actually starts before we're actually saved because he's there working in the process that brings us to that point. And if he doesn't do that, we don't get there. If he doesn't draw us, we don't come. If he doesn't convict us, we don't see it. If he doesn't, it's all him. He says in Romans 8, 14, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Papa. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Now, I, I have, to, have to be honest with you. For a lot of years, I, I misconstrued this verse. He talks about the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm a son of God. And in my mind, I kind of had this picture that the Holy Spirit, once I do all that he has asked me to do in terms of receiving Jesus, then the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that I'm a son of God. 
okay? But Jesus didn't say that when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to testify to what I did. He says he's going to testify to what Jesus did. And when I realize what Jesus did, my heart leaps because until that point, it was the tutor that ran my life being the law. But now once I realize everything that he has done, this father who in practice was not my father because I had this tutor that controlled my life, just like we talked about in Galatians. But when I see that and realize that all that he's done for me, now it's Father, Papa, thank you for being here and being who you are in me. And I tell you what that does. Once I see that this sonship doesn't come because I say the right words or pray the right prayer or walk the right or do whatever is required. Once I see that it's, it's not conditioned in any way upon me, it frees me from doubts about my salvation. It frees me from guesses. It frees me from hope so's. It frees me from speculation. It frees me from, well, maybe so. It frees me from, well, you'll have to wait and see. It frees me from that. He did it. He accomplished it. It was all him, and I didn't have anything to do with it. And it frees me from wondering, did I do enough? Have I said the right thing? Have I walked the right off? Have I joined the right church? Have I been baptized with the proper phraseology over it? Have all of those things. Once I realize that it's him, it frees me to walk in confidence that I am his. Not because of what I have done, but because the Holy Spirit bears witness and says, this is what Jesus did. This is all that he accomplished. This is who he is. Enjoy it. The Holy Spirit bears witness that what Jesus did was sufficient to make me a child of God. And when I receive that, it becomes reality in my life. That's all, just he wants me to receive it. To as many as received him, to them gave he the right to become sons of God. I received it. I, look, I didn't look at it and say, yeah, no, he did that, but I've got to, as long as I have that posture of thinking, there's something I can add to it, there's something I need to do, there's, did I do it right, did I do enough? I will always have difficulty trusting him. You see, I, I, I will trust him, but I don't trust me. But when I come to realize it's all him, I can trust him. As long as we think there's something we can do or something we can add, we won't trust him completely. How do I see salvation? Do I see it as him dying and now I do the best I can to live up to 
his expectations in order to complete the work? Or do I see it as something completed, finished, done, and I get to receive it and enjoy the benefits of it? That's what the Holy Spirit testifies to. What Jesus did and who Jesus is. And he comes in me, and one of the purposes he lives in me is to bear witness to everything that he saw and everything that he accomplished, to free me from self-effort and self-righteousness. Now, this it gets cooler, okay? The Holy Spirit not only testifies to what he witnessed in the natural, in the seen world, he not only comes and testifies to us what he saw and witnessed in the natural, in the seen world, but he comes and testifies, bears witness to what he saw in the spiritual world, in the unseen world. Let me show you what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit witnessed Jesus die on a cross. That's in the natural. Everybody saw Jesus. Everybody that was there saw Jesus die on a cross. Yeah, there he is, died on the cross. That's in the natural. He witnessed Jesus die on a cross. That's in the seen realm. He also witnessed God accepting that death as payment in full for my sin, past, present, and future. And in turn, in the unseen, he declared me to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That wasn't in the natural. In the natural, it was just Jesus, a misguided whatever prophet, dying on a cross at the hand of the Romans, and that's that. And he, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, if they would have seen what the Holy Spirit was seeing, they wouldn't have crucified him. But they didn't see it. All they saw was the natural. But the Holy Spirit not only bore witness to Jesus dying on the cross, he bore witness to God accepting that as payment in full for my sin, my past sin, my present sin, and my future sin, and then in turn declaring me to be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Because I received that revelation, I no longer have to struggle with sin, guilt, shame, condemnation. But without that, I'm always wondering, am I doing enough? Did I really mean it when I confessed? Did I really mean it when I tried to make restitution? Did I really mean it when I did penance? I, I just don't feel like God has forgiven me. I, all of that stuff that we wrestle with. Once the Holy Spirit bears witness to us that something took place in the spiritual as well as the natural, and that becomes reality to us, it frees me from all of that junk that the law bore with it. All right, let me show you another one. The Holy Spirit witnessed the death of Jesus on the cross in the natural. But he also witnessed in the unseen 
God declaring that death to be my death. Thereby breaking every connection to the old man, Adam, which would enable me now to live victorious over sin and its influence. That's the spiritual. See what, see what he says here? Yes, the Holy Spirit was there. He saw Jesus die. But he also saw something in the heavenlies. He saw something in the spiritual. He saw God determine that was not only the death of my son, that was your death. You died with him. And it broke all of the ties that were there to Adam that caused you to think you have to sin, that caused you to think you have to be influenced by it. I don't have to struggle anymore with having to sin. And I'm telling you, that's such a twisted philosophy that we have out there that says, yeah, I'm I'm not perfect, I'm just forgiven. Well, listen, if you're forgiven, you're perfect. I mean, really, if you've got no sin, if all of it's been released, and then we say, well, you may be forgiven, but, you know, as human beings, we have to sin. And you know what we do then? We go sin. We just got permission to sin. Let's go sin. I have to sin. But when I understand that when Jesus died in the heart of the Father, he declared that as my death, and that old man in me, that tie to Adam, was rendered powerless, and I no longer have to sin. I no longer have to sin. Would you say that with me? I no longer have to sin. Say it again. I no longer have to sin. Well, why do I sin? Because you choose to, but you don't have to. Okay? The Holy Spirit did that. And once he comes and bears witness of that to me, you know what? I'm dead to that old man. I'm obligated in no way to obey anything that he tells me to do. I'll show you another one. He witnessed Jesus being raised from the dead. He was there at the tomb when Jesus was there. He was there at the tomb when Jesus was not there. That's the natural. A lot of people saw that. We talked about that before on Easter. He witnessed Jesus being raised from the dead. That's the natural. But he also witnessed God declaring that to be my resurrection as well, enabling me to walk in newness of life. That's the spiritual. I don't have to walk like I used to walk because that person is dead. I have been raised from the grave. Listen, the same Holy Spirit that conceived a new creation in the body of Mary also has conceived a new creation in my body and your body. This isn't me. I live in this body, but this is not me. But the same Holy Spirit that I might walk in newness of life, that I can walk free from all of those struggles, that I don't have to change who I was, I don't have to try to... I don't have to try to change who I was because who I was is dead. I'm a new person, and my walk is learning how to live 
as a new person, not trying to change the old person. You want to know what God thought of the old person? He killed him. He said, there's no room for improvement. He's saying, you can't do nothing with this. I got one. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> he said, there's no need trying to improve on this. Flesh is flesh. Why are we trying to improve on what we were? Why are we trying to be a better sinner? The Holy Spirit comes and says, there's no need to try to be a better sinner. You're pretty good at sinning already. What I want you to do is to learn who you are and what I have created in you. One more. He witnessed Jesus fulfill the law at every point. That's the natural. He watched Jesus do everything that the law required in the natural. But he witnessed in the spiritual that God determined that now man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. I don't have to struggle with measuring up. Christ filled up the measure in me, in the law. I don't have to deal with that anymore. Many people can bear witness to the natural. Even, even us today, we can bear witness. I mean, Easter, for many of us, is bearing witness to the natural, bearing witness to the fact historically that Jesus rose from the grave. But we haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to bear witness in the spiritual of what that means and relevant to me and that I am a new creation, that I can walk in newness of life. The Spirit bore witness, this revelation that Paul got that he talks about. Let me tell you what that was. That was the Spirit bearing witness to who Jesus was and all Jesus had done in the spiritual realm. Paul wasn't there at the crucifixion. He was already gone. He was already out trying to round up Christians. He didn't see it with his eyes. He didn't see the resurrection. But when the Holy Spirit came to Paul, he testified, he bore witness to what happened in the heavenlies when Jesus died on the cross, to what happened in the heavenlies, the unseen, when Jesus rose from the grave, and the relevance of all of that to us. That was the revelation that Paul got. And it absolutely changed his life. He went from someone who was sold out to the law, to killing those that didn't keep it, to being an absolute, he is still an antagonist to the mindset that we still have the law today. People still, Paul was just nuts. Well, put me in that camp, okay? Listen. If we, allow the, if we allow the Spirit to bear witness with us concerning the things that Christ did in the spiritual realm, it too will change us. That's what he does. He bears witness to Jesus. Listen, spiritual maturity does not take place in our life through learned information and modified behavior. Say that again. Spiritual maturity 
does not take place in our life through learned information and modified behavior. It takes place because the Holy Spirit testifies to us who Christ was and what he accomplished, and that changes my life when I see that. Listen, if if information was going to make us spiritual, we'd all be giants in the Lord. Do you want to settle for knowing the historical facts concerning the life of Christ, his death and resurrection? Do you want to settle? That's enough. I know the facts. Do you want to settle for knowing the facts concerning the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus? Or do you want to know personally the one sent from the Father? This is the distinction. One is looking at it historically in the natural. The other is looking to the Holy Spirit to turn on the lights, to testify to Jesus, to let me know firsthand what he did and how it relates to my life. Do you want to know only the facts of the cross and resurrection, or do you want to know the relevance in our life of what Christ accomplished? That's the difference between the natural and the spiritual. When we see this by the Spirit, it produces in me. I want to tell you what this does. Whenever, whenever the lights come on, whenever the Holy Spirit testifies to Jesus and says, yeah, he died on the cross, now here's what that means to you today. Here's how that's relevant to you today. It does two things. It produces humility and confidence. Now, you think those are contradictory, but he says it produces humility because it makes me aware that I didn't have anything to do with it. But it produces confidence because it lets me know I didn't have anything to do with it. It lets me know he did it all. And I can be confident, not in my ability walk godly, not in my ability to do all the right stuff, but in the confidence in the work that he did to make me what he made me, a new creation. But how does this apply to freedom? If I will receive the Holy Spirit's testimony, then the law loses all its appeal. The Holy Spirit just revealed to me what happened to me at the cross. He revealed to me what happened to me in the resurrection. He revealed to me what happened in what Jesus accomplished. Why would I ever want to go back to a list of rules and regulations and guidelines and principles when I can know the one who purchased all of that for me. How does it happen? It happens to me just like it did with Jesus. I humble myself. I yield to him. And I admit, Father, I've got a whole lot of information 
but it hasn't done much to change my life. And Holy Spirit, you've come to live in me to testify to who Jesus is and what he did. And I'm asking you to make all of that real to me in your timing and in your process and in the way you do it. I am willing to drop my spiritual scale you know, where I'm checking to see how am I doing. I'm, you know, how am I doing? I'm, wor- I'm working on this, Jesus. Can you see how foolish now that sounds? I'm working on being godly. That's like working on being a person. You are or either aren't. I am godly because he made me godly. I just yield to him. I just ask him, Father, Holy Spirit, testify to Jesus in my heart and let me see the reality behind all that you did. Okay? Father, we ask you to turn on lights. Don't let us be content with knowing the facts and knowing the history. Turn on the lights to the reality of what took place in the spiritual realm when these things were happening in the natural and how they change our life and how they change our perspective, how, we, how it changes who we see you, how we see you, how we see ourselves, and how we see this Christian life. It's all about receiving. Teach us that. Because you've done everything you needed to do. We bless you today for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Any questions? What'd you hear? Randy, would you take this back there to Tanya? Tanya. The Holy Spirit's been speaking to me this morning. All morning, I just heard the Holy Spirit say that uh, sin is being exposed, and the enemy meant for that to bring death, destruction, and shame. But Jesus says, "No, I'm bringing life, restoration, <laughs> healing, and that other stuff is just not a part of our story anymore." That's exactly right. right. Remind the enemy what his is; he's defeated. That's exactly right. Jeremy there. Wow. Yeah, this is, this is serious stuff. <laughs> this is life-changing stuff. So one of my favorite verses is Romans 8, 6. <clears throat> to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. That's a truth, and I hold on to that as a truth, but I, I kind of see it as this abstract truth. Well, it's just true. When I set my mind on the spirit, it's life and peace. But what I heard today was some, some, some reasoning for why that's a truth. The Holy Spirit declares that what Jesus did was sufficient for me. When I accept and believe that, I will be free to rest and enjoy in him. That's right. That's good. When I accept and believe that what he has done is sufficient for me, I will be free to rest and enjoy him. That's good. That's good. You're catching it. 
So, um, Romans 8, 18, the future glory was a little weird for me. I had to reread it over and over and over to understand um, what suffering was he talking about. (laughs) Um, I guess if you want to call me saying no to myself or my fleshly desires or whatever that is, saying no to that is suffering... Um, yeah, I want that because that's me choosing all of my ways, right? That I know because the Holy Spirit has revealed to me that that's death. That's me shying away from what the Lord has for me. And he's shown me what all he wants to give me. A loving God, a true loving God wants to just bless me and give me freedom and give me all these things, countless things that I'm so thankful for. Or I can choose my way. And he just lays it out like that, basically. And I'm like, I don't want to choose my way because I know that's, that leads to death. Yeah. And so let me suffer, which in reality, I'm not. I'm choosing you, and I want to choose what he has for me because it's better than anything I can come up with. That's good. That's good. Anyone else? Yo. All right. Good to see you. You're dismissed.